It's the end of the month of September, and we're coming here to see who is on top and who is not on top of the MLB. We're going to find that out in the top 10, and we're going to find out if the Mets have any hope of ever seeing a World Series again. This is Downtown Sports. I am the mouth of the South, John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. This is downtown sports. This is where sports come home. I'm going to hand it off to the Beast of the East. We have a very special guest he's introducing today. Beast, take it away. Joining us here today to discuss the state of the Mets going into the end of the regular season and possibly during the offseason as well is the radio voice for the New York Mets. He is Wayne Randazzo. He joins us here today. Wayne, it's a pleasure to have you. It's been a long while. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing we're doing well. we're doing good. And I'll tell you something. As a Mets fan, as crazy as this season has been, I'm not as upset as other Mets fans. You got Mets fans saying, oh, get rid of Javi Baez. Lindor ain't cut out for New York. You hear all the criticism, obviously. You call the games. What are you seeing that a lot of Mets fans aren't seeing from this team that might give them hope for the future? Well, I think the biggest thing about what's happened here in the second half is that you never had Jacob deGrom. You know, he didn't pitch after July 7th, and this team has not been very good since then. You know, they were 10 games above 500 until Jacob got hurt, and now they're, you know, 10 or 11 games under 500 since then. And it's really easy to draw that line at, when DeGrom left this team it, as to why things changed, you know, you all of a sudden your starting rotation lost its anchor. You well, lost the best pitcher in baseball that every fifth day was going to keep you afloat and beat the good teams. I mean, you're going to Jacob DeGrom would beat the giants. He'd beat the Dodgers. He could beat anybody. Uh, he's, he's the best pitcher in the game and that would always succeed. So how many games do the Mets win without Jacob DeGrom? And how many do they win with them? Do they win five more games with them? If so, that's the deficit in the National League East right now. That's where this season completely went awry. You know, you had an expectation going into this year that you would get roughly 450 innings out of DeGrom and Carrasco and Syndergaard, and you're going to end up getting about 150. So those are 300 innings worth of high level elite pitching that you never got. And it's, it's really difficult to overcome that on top of what has happened to this lineup where, you know, a lot of guys have highly underachieved. Um, it's, it's, it's really difficult to win that way. You know, there's, there's a lot of issues for this team that they're going to have to figure out moving forward, but, without the health of Jacob DeGrom, it's, it's really tough for this team to succeed. I definitely agree. DeGrom, DeGrom is a very big piece of where this Met team goes, but also some of these losses, I have to look at the way Rojas managed this team, taking out your starting pitchers when they were still around 70 pitches, still dealing. Uh, just ask guys like Marcus Stroman, just ask guys, you know, maybe if Carrasco was having a good game, oh, Rojas is going to pull the plug on him after about 75 pitches. And then the bullpen had to come in and you see things implode. What's going to be the fate of the offseason? Does he stick around? Is, is his time up as Met manager? 
Luis Rojas. Luis Rojas, excuse Luis me. Luis Rojas. I always keep getting that wrong. Luis Rojas, excuse me. Yeah, I know. I think I think Luis has, you know, been able to weather a, a, a real interesting couple of years here as the manager of the Mets. You know, he gets the job late because of the Beltron situation, and then there's a, a pandemic season, and and now this year. Um, there's been a lot of ups and downs for this team. You know, I think that this is a tough place to learn how to manage in the big leagues. And, you know, Louis, Louis had to do that. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot hanging over this team a lot of the time. And, and I think that it's, it's difficult for anybody to manage it, let alone someone who's a young manager with, with not much experience managing a, a team. That's why it was, you know, it was interesting to, to turn to Luis to begin with because of how difficult this job can be. So you know, I think he's been overwhelmed a little bit at times. And, uh, you know, I think that Louis knows the game really well. He's a really smart baseball guy. Obviously he's, his whole family has been around the game for a, a couple of generations. So uh, I think that, you know, Louis is going to find his way in this game, no matter what. And whether that's, you know, as manager of the Mets moving forward or not remains to be seen. But I, I would think that if there is a new head of baseball operations that, you know, anyone who kind of works under that right now is, is going to be tested as far as whether or not they're going to stay in their current job. And I would imagine a lot of these guys won't. Talking with Wayne Randazzo, he is the radio voice of the New York Mets. And uh, the one thing that we've heard from, all, all across the, the news regarding the team is that Sandy Alderson will be back. However, he is looking for somebody to run baseball operations so that he can take care of the business end of the team. We've been hearing rumblings, and I know every time there's a general manager's opening, every time there's always a rumble about Theo Epstein. Where do you think Sandy Alderson goes? Because, well, they haven't, they still haven't necessarily necessarily fired Zach Scott yet. He still has that acting tag. What happens in the front office? Well, I don't know. It's, you know, they're going to have to uh, figure out who's going to run baseball. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be Sandy. It wasn't really the plan for it to be Sandy to begin with. And it's kind of fallen on him a, a few different times with how things have shaken out this year. Uh, you know, Sandy was brought in to kind of transition the new ownership and I think that's still uh, something that he's going to continue to do. And, you know, until the ownership feels like it is in a spot where it can really be self-sufficient, I, I think Sandy's a good person to have around. And it's, it's a, I think, a, a big part of what the other owners wanted, too, because, uh, you know, Steve Cohen was, was a new baseball owner and, and had a history in, in the hedge fund world. And this was a new uh, endeavor for him. And they, and, the other owners were comfortable uh, with having Sandy in there to, as a, a trusted baseball person. So, you know, once the new head of baseball is in place, we'll know a lot more about what happens to the rest of the front office and, and Zach Scott and everybody else. You know, I think there's still a place for Zach in the organization. If, you know, the right person comes in uh, to run baseball, I don't know that he'll be the GM, but I don't, I don't know that he'll he's going to be gone from the from the franchise either. So uh, we'll see. I think that we'll we'll find out hopefully not too long into the offseason what what's going to take shape as far as who's going to run this baseball operation. And, and then we'll start to get a better idea of how this team looks. I will say that it, it would be important for the Mets 
to have someone who's going to run this thing for a while and who's going to really commit to being uh, around this team and this organization, you know, for the next eight to 10 years, because I think that's what you really need is a consistency that the Mets have not had over the last handful of years. Definitely. I, I want to go to the, to a specific player on the Mets and very curious kind of is that if he's really improved enough where, you know, he could be someone that could be a staple here for the Mets and that's Edwin Diaz. He seems like he kind of put it all together this year to an extent. What do you think will be the fate of Edwin Diaz? Well, I think Edwin has the electric stuff, you know, he's, he's his, the way that he throws the baseball with his fastball and his slider, it, it's a combination that not too many pitchers have uh, on this current Mets roster, a team that has a pretty good bullpen. You know, he's still clearly their best reliever. I think that there have been some inconsistencies with him uh, this season. You know, he's had a, a couple different stretches where he's blown a few games, but he's got 30 saves, and, and I think that he's, you know, still a guy that it would be a, a trusted part of any, any team's bullpen. I, I think that you've got to try to limit those inconsistencies a little bit, and maybe as he gets older, he'll be able to do that. But um, you're going to have a hard time finding anyone that's uh, got better stuff out of the back of a bullpen than, than Edwin Diaz. That doesn't mean you can't get somebody else um, and kind of have a two-headed monster down there. But, you know, I think that, that Diaz will absolutely be a part of, of the Mets' back end of the bullpen moving forward. We're messed up today because I was actually going to ask you about uh, your new gig. Your new job. Now, I want to make sure I don't get this wrong. You are one of the voices of the MLB on Fox now, correct? Uh, yeah, for the for the rest of this season, yes. Cool. So uh, your first game was uh, Chicago and Milwaukee. How did it feel going back to watch a team that you're actually a fan of and call that game? Uh, it was, you know, it was great. It was a great experience to be on MLB on Fox. You know, it's a, that's a dream job and, and you know, you know, for any anybody who's my age or, or younger, you know, that's the game of the week on, on Saturdays. You know, watching Fox every Saturday has been a big part of my uh, life as a baseball fan. And, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get an opportunity like that, you know, it's it's a very, very small number of people that have ever um, called Major League Baseball games at a, a national network level. So it's a, an incredible opportunity. And I'm grateful to the Mets and to WCBS to let me out on, on Saturdays to go do that. Um, I've got the White Sox at Cleveland coming up. And, you know, I'll, I'll have another game the last weekend of the year as well. And, and you know, really uh, excited to do those. And first one went great. You know, working with Eric Karros was fun. I've, I've got A.J. Pierzynski this week and looking forward to that. Definitely. Let's uh, go back to the to touch back on the Mets and again and uh, talk about two of their players, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez. They have had their share of controversies from thumbs down. How have they adjusted to New York and faced the adversity they have faced from all of the Mets fans and really throughout the uh, number of weeks, particularly for the amount of time they've been here so far? I think I don't think it's been any adjustment for Baez. I think coming from Chicago, he's you know he understands what a big city is and and a big market and expectations to win. You know he was part of that Cubs team that that broke the drought, and I, I don't think Baez will ever crumble under any sort of pressure. I don't I don't think that's who he is at all. Um, you know for Lindor, 
I think it's been an adjustment. I think that he's, you know, Cleveland's a different market and, and he has been treated as this superstar, which he has been. And I think that, you know, it's been different for him this year just because he hasn't played as well as he usually does. Um, so I, I think Francisco is going to be fine. There's still a lot of talent there. We see, you know, glimpses of, of what really could have been had he been more consistent early on in the first half. And, you know, I think that moving forward, Lindor is going to have a better uh, idea of, of what he can expect with this ball club. And he's going to be around for a long time. And I'm sure he'd like to have Baez uh, next to him, you know, for the, for the next several years too. So we'll see how that shakes out. Hmm. Talking with Wayne Randazzo. Um, let's uh, talk about the older heads that have been on this team for a while. Guys like Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto specifically. Conforto's contract is up. Um, from what we understand, what we've been reading in the news is that the Mets will give him the qualifying offer. Conforto is expected not to take it. His agent is Scott Boris. What do you think Conforto's future as a Met is? Is this his last season as a Met, or uh, is he going to be sticking around? Yeah, it's really hard to say. I think depends on what the market's going to look like for him and, and what he thinks he can get after having a, a subpar year. You know, it's not nearly the year Michael thought he was going to have. That doesn't mean that he's not going to get a nice deal in free agency. He's still a young player. He still has a, a reputation of being a, a good teammate and a good person in the locker room and a guy who's been to an all-star game and, and certainly is capable of, of going back and, and entering the, the better years of his career coming up. So you can still get a good deal for Michael Conforto. And, and you know, I know Scott, is going to always push his guys to get the, the most money and the best contracts. But, you know, for Michael Conforto, if he ends up getting $75 million instead of 150, what does it matter? He's, he's going to make more money than he's ever thought he ever could make. He's, you know, he already has. Um, so I, I think that in Michael's case, I don't know that he's going to push for anything, but what's the best fit for him. And if that means going back to the Mets on, I think what Mets would offer would be the qualifying offer. And if he rejects that and there's a good contract out there for him and a good fit for him personally, I think he'll take it. Uh, I, I think that he, I don't think that he'll be motivated to come back on a one-year deal to, to get 150 million the next year, if he can get 75 or 80 this off season. So uh, I, I'm not totally sold that Michael is going to accept a qualifying offer. I don't think he will. I don't necessarily think that he should. Uh, I think Syndergaard will, but that's a totally different scenario. And, and I think Conforto would be comfortable testing the market this year and seeing what he can get. Hmm. Talking with Wayne Randazzo, the radio voice for Mets baseball on WCBS 880 AM. You are currently for the rest of the regular season on the Mets radio broadcasts are calling the games alongside former Met manager, Terry Collins. Uh, how has he been working with you in, in the booth so far? Like, how's, how's it been having a former manager, somebody that's been there, that's managed this team in the past? How's it been working alongside him for, for the remainder of the season? Well, Terry's not going to be with us for the rest of the season. He's, he just did the previous week, uh, which we were glad to have him, and he was fantastic. Um, you know, Terry has just got a wealth of baseball knowledge on the field, a wealth of baseball stories off the field, and 
you know, he's an incredible resource and it's, uh, it was, it was wonderful to have him in the booth for the last week and hope that there's uh, some, some moments in the future where he can come back. I think he'd be a great, a great featured guest here, here and there. And, you know, I don't think it's anything he'd want to do um, full time or even half the time, but I think for a, a spot start here and there, like we, we just had, I, I think he's, uh, able and willing to do that. And I, we'd love to have him anytime he wants to be in there. Talking with Wayne Randazzo and, you know, um, I don't want to, I don't want to say that you aren't the ace of that radio booth, but the guy who's been there for a very long time, Mr. Harry Rose, he's obviously, uh, is it with you guys for the rest of the season due to medical issues? How is Howie doing? Is he doing all right? Yeah. You know, I was recovering from, uh, from, a medical procedure and he's you know going to uh take his time doing that and something he needed to take care of and uh, it's been taken care of he's gotten some good news and and now he's just uh heading through his recovery and it's it's going to take him a little time but he'll be ready to go for spring training uh next year and you know we miss howie in the booth um you know he he's the one who makes everything spin for us on on mets radio and you know he's um long established himself as a New York sports broadcasting icon. And I uh, can't wait to have him back. Hmm. Who could possibly manage the Mets next year? Should Rojas not stick around? Yeah. So I mean, it's tough to say who who's going to run baseball. First of all, you know, who's, who's, who's going to be in charge of making that decision without knowing that it's impossible to know you know, who even the likely manager could be, um, you know, there's going to be the guys, you know, with Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa coming back and having success. I'm sure names like Buck Walter and, and Bruce Bochy will be kicked around um, and, and rightfully so in, in both their cases. And, and maybe they'll have an opportunity to come back and manage again. And if either of them even wants to, um, you know, there'll be younger guys too that will be looking for a chance or um, whoever. I, I think that, you know, the Mets will figure that out based on who's going to even be in charge of making that decision. And, you know, first things first, they'll have to decide whether or not they want Luis Rojas back. Talking with Wayne Randazzo, we'll get you out of here on this actual last final question. Um, the ownership of Steve Cohen, we're coming to the end of year one. He's had to face a lot of adversity this year, whether it be general managers getting fired, general managers getting DUIs, issues with players on the team. How has Mr. Cohen handled all of this adversity, his Twitter page as well? How do you think he's done so far being the owner of this team? Well, I think that he's he's come in with uh, an open mind to learning as much as he can about baseball and about being a baseball owner. It's different than anything he's ever done before in his life. And, you know, he's obviously built a, a great life for himself based on being amazing at what he does for a living and his day job. And, you know, that's uh, that's something that has really afforded him a, a, a very luxurious lifestyle. And now he's kind of getting his, his fingernails dirty again. And, and he's, he's digging himself in with the Mets and trying to make this team a winner. And, and there's going to be some growing pains and stumbling blocks and, it, you know, to just come in and expect everything to go smoothly right out of the gate. I mean, that's not usually how it is, but I, I think considering how successful and brilliant this guy is that, you know, there is, there is plenty of opportunity 
for him to get this right and to, to lead the team to a World Series, which is what he wants to do. And I think he'll be successful at it. Well, certainly hope better things will be on the horizon for the Mets come maybe next year. We'll see what happens. Wayne Randazzo, radio voice for the New York Mets on WCBS 880 AM. Thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us. Uh, best of luck on the final couple of weeks uh, with Fox and the rest of the Mets season. And good luck to the Mets and whatever they decide to do for next year. Yeah, seriously. Uh, congrats on that Fox gig, man. That, that, that must have been really exciting when you got that phone call. Yeah, that was uh, that was a tremendous uh, opportunity to, to take. And, you know, again, I'm just grateful that I'm, I've gotten uh, to be with them. And, and the, the Mets have let me uh, take on that extra role. And you know, I'm just uh, appreciative to be in these spots. Thank you so much, Wayne. Best of luck, man. Thank you. All right. That was Wayne Randazzo, voice of the Mets. When we come back, MLB Top 10. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I am the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente, along with my co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone. We want to thank Wayne Randazzo for joining us in the first segment of our show. Hope good things will happen for the Mets next season. And good luck to Wayne, of course, with Fox for the rest yep. of the season. Congrats, buddy. I mean, you know what? I, I, I just got to tell the listener something. When Wayne came into New York, it, we were one of the first people that he spoke to. We got to know him when he was doing the pregame shows. Then when he became the voice of the Mets. And now as a voice, it, it, it's been a pleasure throughout like our friendship that to watch him grow the way he has. It's, it, it's just been amazing, you know, almost covering his career in a way. really is. Hopefully that's all going to happen for each and every one of us as well as we move forward in the great world that is broadcasting. Before we dive in to our next segment, which is going to be our MLB Top 10, Mouth, where can our listeners hear us? Mm, my old age, I might forget. Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Podbay, Listen Notes, Podcast Addict, and Verbal. 14 different platforms. We are Downtown Sports. We are where sports come home. MLB Top 10. I'm sure there's two teams that probably aren't going to be on it. Well, this could very much be our last MLB Top 10 as we are now within the final week of the season now. Next week is it. Next yep. week, the regular season is over. And let's see if we had any new shuffling among this top 10, and it looks like we have. Oh, yeah, uh, there had better be. Oh, there's going to be at least a little bit. want to thank Tony Mainville, our researcher, for providing us with these top 10s, as he has done all year. So this is our most recent one as of September 20th. And we begin with the team that was number 10. It's the Atlanta Braves. Eddie Rosario hitting 471, eight for his last 17 over his last five games. The Braves are coming off two very impressive victories. Uh, they managed to hold off the Giants and not get swept by them the other at the end of the week. They beat the Diamondbacks. Okay, Diamondbacks are not really that good, but you have to beat these teams that are bad. And here's the, the thing. Are. Yeah, here the Braves are, but they are only what? They're only three, three and a half up on, on Philly. The, they're three up on Philly, and they're six up on the Mets. 
Well, don't even talk about the Mets. The Mets are done. I don't. They're still not out of the picture yet until they're out of the picture. Yeah, I, I, I know you gotta believe, but you know what? There's a difference between belief and an, and that's exactly what believing in the Mets is right now. So, basically, if you're Atlanta, you've gotta just hold off until the end of the season, and you gotta hope to God that the Mets don't want to play spoiler, because. Here's the thing. When you get into those last three games, those are going to be the toughest three games that Atlanta has to play. It doesn't matter if the Mets are still mathematically in it or they're out or whatever. The Mets are going to want to make sure the Braves don't get into the playoffs. Well, the Mets are going to be playing the Braves at least one more time to end the year. And the Mets are already going to be playing spoilers for the American League as well. I believe they have the Red Sox coming up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they do. Um, Help the Yankees I, tremendously in the wild card race. Who knows? You do, you do realize that the Mets are probably not going to win those games, right? Maybe they win at least one of them. Possibly. I hope. I hope. I mean, look, no DeGrom, no Syndergaard. Hey, at least he'll take a qualifying offer to be a Met. You know, Wayne exactly. did tell us that. But Atlanta has to hold off the Phillies. I don't feel that. You know, Atlanta is a solid locket number 10 right now. I, I have to justify it. I'm sorry. That's fair. That's fair. So let me pull up the Atlanta Braves remaining schedule currently sitting at 78 and 70. Oh, they get to go to San Diego for three games. Who's fighting in a pl- for a playoff spot. Then they get their three in Philadelphia. And then they got their three against the Mets where they're just where the Mets are going to just enjoy playing spoiler. So by the 3rd of October, I'd say it's very likely that Atlanta is not in the postseason and Philly wins the division. Kind of like I called it. The Padres have not been playing good baseball this entire second half of the year. They look like a team that's been defeated. Just, Just the other day, Machado and Fernando Tatis got into it in the clubhouse. I mean, that's something you don't that, see. That's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. It was more like, it was more like Machado was telling because Tatis, I think he struck out on a bad call or something. He didn't, he wasn't happy about it. And Machado was basically giving him, it's about the team. It's not about you. Okay. Yeah, Mr. $300 million. That yeah. sounds, that sounds real good. You're coming from the $300 million like man. 22 year old kid. Who's the future of baseball. And you're telling him it's not about you. It's about the team. You know what? It's like Ted DiBiase in WWF. Um, remember when you would see those vignettes about him kicking everybody out of the pool and stuff, and mm-hmm. then him telling you about morality and stuff? Like, yeah. this, this, is, this, this is akin to the million-dollar man telling you that it's, not, that it's about the team. Really, if it were about the team, why don't you, why don't you uh, give up $100 million so the Padres can sign some help? Well, this will be an interesting stretch of games for, for Atlanta. Can they get through the, the Padres with all their problems they have? That's that's big. The Diamondbacks, I expect them to blow through the Diamondbacks. But can they get through the Padres? Can they get through the Mets? Can they get through the Phillies once more? We're going to find out. But let's go to the team that is number nine on our top ten. And this is a team that has been playing some of the best baseball over the last week and a half. If you haven't figured it out, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. They have won nine games in a row after they were just two games over 500, they blew through the Mets at City Field. And now Paul Goldschmidt is hitting 435 over his last six games. 
And Adam Wainwright is 5-0 with a 1.51 ERA over his last six starts. Adam Wainwright turning back the clock. Literally, turning back the clock. And let's just check St. Louis's schedule to end the season because right now they are sitting in the second wild card spot. They've overtaken the Reds. Let's see. Ooh, there's the problem. They got three against the Brewers coming right up starting tonight at 6.45 p.m. They beat the Brewers last night. They just beat the Brew Crew last night, 5-2. to two. So, yeah, there we go. So they beat the Brewers. Then you have the Cubs. More. Yeah, they got to play the Brewers once more. They, basically, the remaining opponents for, the, for them are going to be the Brewers and Cubs. That's who they're going to have. That's, that's their remaining schedule, basically, the Brewers and the Cubs. That's it. So you have to beat the Cubs. Literally every game. And then on top of that, you just got to hold off. You got to hold off against the Brewers. And right now, to be honest, it, it's three and three, right? Like they got like five games left in the year. Against the uh, Brewers, they have another six games with the Brewers left. They have six more games left with the Brewers. And they have another seven games left with the Cubs. So they need to win at least four of these games with the Brewers, and they need to sweep away the Cubs oh, to yeah. avoid the Reds. Oh, yeah, to sweep away the Cubs. Well, the Cardinals, I've always said this about them. The Cardinals always seem to find a way to squeak themselves into a playoff. In You've been way. saying that since the middle of the year, and I've me and everyone else on earth were saying they were dead. No, the Cardinals are never dead until 162 games are played. They do this every year out of nowhere. They can find a way to get in. They get hot at some time late in September. And then here's where they are. They're yeah. always going to find a way to get themselves in. Well, they, they've proven your words, right? Just like the Phillies have, are, are at least in position to prove mine. I called the Phillies to win this division at the beginning of the year. But it's not going to get any easier, obviously. Cardinals are going to. They're going to see that winning streak come to an end at some point. I don't think they're going to keep the winning going till the end of the year. That's not going to happen. They're going to lose at least a game or two. So we'll see what happens to the Cardinals down the stretch. And the Brewer series is going to tell us a lot of things about how ready they are. They're going to get to that next stage. Now let's go to the next team on our top 10, the team that's number eight. And it's the Toronto Blue Jays. Now they did take a bad loss to the Rays last night. Lost to a young rookie named Shane Boz, a top prospect of the Rays. But the Blue Jays, over the last month, have proven to the world how dangerous of a team they are. When this team has Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting 46 home runs, when you have Robbie Ray leading the American League in ERA with a 264 ERA, 233 strikeouts, and barely a walk per nine innings pitched. That doesn't tell you how dangerous the Blue Jays are. When everybody's healthy, and it's not just Guerrero. You have Springer in this lineup. You have Teoscar Hernandez in this lineup. You have Marcus Simeon in this lineup. You have power up and down this whole lineup. And you also have the easiest remaining schedule left. You've got two against the Rays, three against the Yankees. Yes, I understand. But sandwiched in between those five games, which, sure, you yes. know, honestly, they need to play the Yankees. That That's great for them. They got four with the Twins. Yeah, Twins uh, ended up then, stealing one game, but it's going to be in Minnesota. That's a little different. It's not going to be in Toronto this go around. And then three with the Orioles. Oh, the Orioles, yeah. If you can't, you know, 
Oh, the Yankees already learned that the hard way. How bad. If you, if you want to listen to my rant and I, you heard my complaint with that series with the Yankees, with the Orioles, that game, they should have swept. Uh, I could linger very big. Yeah. Days. It could. But let's get to the next team. The yeah. It's this team is going to have to continue to stay where they are. And they're only half a game ahead of the Yanks. So if the blue Jays, if they do not take a series from the Rays, if they struggle against Tampa, if they get swept by them and the Yankees can get past Texas, Stage could be set for a very big series when the Yankees come to Toronto. Could be set. It's already set. It's oh, already mean, set. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's say if the Blue Jays lost every game and the Yankees won, then the Yankees would only be about two and a half ahead by the time the series comes. <clears throat> and then the Blue Jays could just sweep it out and still be up and then be up a game and a half. But that's why it tells you how important if it gets to the Yankees Blue Jays, the last second to last series of the year, how big that's going to be. I could decide the whole wild card right there. It does. No, I'm telling you, it does. So whoever wins two out of three, whoever wins two out of three in that series is taking the wild card. At least, pretty much. Anyway, we'll see where that goes. Let's go to the next team at number seven, and this is the other team that's holding on to a wild card spot. It's the Boston Red Sox. Jose Iglesias Mm. hitting 421 since he joined Boston, eight for 19. Alex Verdugo is hitting 421 over his last five games, and Chris Sale 4-0 with a 2.40 ERA since coming off the IL from and et cetera, from COVID, all of that, since he has been out, Chris Sale has carried this Red Sox team and the Red Sox are playing with a whole, a whole bit of new life now to them. True. And give them credit. They beat up on the Orioles when the Yankees didn't, they still have one more series left with the Yankees at Fenway. In fact, it's the next series after the Texas series, the Yankees will go to Fenway for three games and they have only Yanks in their ballpark for this entire season. Well, the Red Sox schedule after the Mets and the Yankees, mm-hmm. really simple. Three at Baltimore and then three at Washington. Oh, those should be those should be guaranteed win series for Boston. They, they, they're not going to let those rollover teams push them around. No way. Yeah. So things are not looking so good for the Yankees here, it's ladies not. and gentlemen. No, no, it's not. Those games that the Yanks lost, those Series they blew, those ninth-inning leads they gave up late, they're beginning to loom large. You're now going to be praying to Mr. and Mrs. Met to beat the Reds. us to deliver you into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, At least, hopefully, you're hoping to God that the Mets have some sort of pride left and still believe that they're involved so that they could at least go and try to win some baseball games because this is just embarrassing. Four games under 500. Oh, my God. Let's go to the next team. Number six on our top 10. It's the other Sox. It's the White Sox. Number six on the top 10, Luis Robert hitting 409 over his last five games. Jose Abreu tied for the lead in the American League with 113 RBIs. The White Sox still, for me, I know they're way ahead in the AL Central, and nobody's going to catch them. Yep. Fair. Fair. But the inconsistencies I'm seeing with this team, particularly against some bad opponents, are beginning to get me a little bit nervous. If they're playing sub-500 and suspect against lower teams, when they haven't played very good against big teams, <coughs> even, you know, even though they'll get in the playoffs, are they going to have a deep run? I'm not sure this team's going to have a very deep run. I just I don't mean, feel it. How do I put this? With Tony LaRusso as your manager, mm-hmm. it really 
almost doesn't matter. You kind of got to give the trust to that manager to know what he's doing and to know what he's doing enough that, you know, Chicago had to go on a little bit of a bad slide. By the way, they're still 500 over their last 10 games. And this little bad slide has put them a game behind Boston and one game above both Toronto and a game and a half above the Yankees. They're only about three or four back of Houston. So they had to come back down to the rest of the league. Well, they were up at Tampa's level and then they kind of just went back down, but they're right on par with everyone else at this point. But the White Sox are going to have a little bit of an interesting finish to their season. I know they're in. It doesn't matter. I know. I get it. It really doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, you have some, you know, you have some games where you still want to, you want to get in on a good win, a bit of winning momentum. You want to get on a little bit of a good note if you're the White Sox. Here. I'd That's, agree with that. And they're playing a lot of lower teams where they should get in. You have the Indians for four games coming up. You're finishing a series with Detroit tomorrow. I'm going to tell you something. And then the Reds. They, the Reds yeah, they have to beat the Reds. The Reds see, are in there. That's a tough one. No. And that's the one where you need to look at this team. If you want to examine, are these guys going to do anything? It's that two game series with the Reds. In my opinion, the White Sox are good enough to sweep the Reds. Yes, I think they should sweep the Reds right out of the postseason. Should is the key word here. Exactly. So if you're a fan of the White Sox, it really doesn't matter what you do. Until you hit the 28th. That's that's when your postseason honestly begins. Well, let's see if the White Sox can end on a strong note. Get themselves really, really just, I know they have a firm grip, but to make that grip even firmer going into the playoffs and see if they have kind of what they need in place. They already now have just gotten another pitcher hurt. Carlos Rodon is going to go back possibly on the IL again after he uh, had a sharp dip in velocity in his last start. And as we speak right now, middle of the seventh, they're tied two to two with the Tigers. Yeah, you want the White Sox to win this series with Detroit. Detroit is Detroit is better than I think people think they are. And, and I know they're five under, but they've really kind of kept themselves afloat in that central. And they could be really a good team next year. So definitely be careful for Detroit. This is A.J. Hinch. So be very wary of that. Anyway, let's go to the team that's number five on our top ten. It's the Houston Astros. Yeah. Kyle Tucker hitting 375 over his last seven games. Lance McCullers, third in the American League in ERA with a 3.11 ERA. And also second in opponent batting average at 210. So McCullers has been every bit of the bounce back ace of this staff that Houston, aside from Granke, was missing. McCullers True, and tremendously well. And it's so sad how big of a lead they actually built over Oakland. And now Oakland after, you know, yeah, then really? Oakland started winning some games, and now they, but then they lost again to the Mariners last night. Yep, and it's too bad. Oakland had a few games. Oakland had quite a few games that they had leads late, like against the Blue Jays, that eight three lead, if I recall, and they let them get away. Those games so, are probably the reason Oakland's not making it. Yep, and once again, it really almost doesn't matter. Although we do have uh, the A's, do have three left with them in uh, the month and th- you want to know the series that really matters here if Please. you're Houston yep. once again it's the 28th wow these teams that have like the postseason locked up yep Tampa so- Bay oh yeah Bay. for three 
even though Tampa Bay is pretty much assured of the American League East by then, they basically have it locked up. They're not giving it up. Well, and let's not throw Oakland away yet because they still got six games with the Strohs. Yeah, but they're going to finish with Oakland in Houston. That's a big thing. Houston's going to have the advantage in that series because it's in Houston. Yeah, but uh, if uh, if Houston loses to the A's, let's say uh, the A's sweep them out, right? Yep. And then they go home to the Rays and lose two out of three to them, and uh, Oakland continues to win and goes on a bit of a streak. Oakland is seven back of Houston right now. There's they got six games, games. Yeah, six games left. Yes. You'd have to win. Houston is going to have to go through a major collapse if Oakland's catching them. A major collapse. Well, like I said, for for me, it, 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 if you're the if you're the uh, Astros, your postseason begins the 24th. You have to eliminate Oakland. Yeah, you have to eliminate them out. You have to you have to beat them in two out of three games to lock up that division. Well, they got to finish first with the angels who are in front of them right now. They did blow them out 10, nothing last night. And we'll see if they can keep that stretch going. Let's go to the team that drew number four on the top 10. It's the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh yeah. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, second and fourth in the national league and ERA. The brew crew is about as dangerous as any team in the national league central, maybe right yeah. up there with the Cardinals. Right up there with the Cardinals. Well, like, what are you dangerous. talking about? They're more dangerous than the Cardinals is what I meant to say. Yeah, it's like you're, you're... You're, both of them are right there. Cardinals Cardinals beat them last night. Cardinals can hang with them if, if their offense gets clicking and their pitching is, is up there. If these two teams play in a series, do not be shocked if the Cardinals can find a way to steal one. Don't be shocked. I'm not, and I wouldn't be, but... I, I'd say if I'm Milwaukee, I want to make sure that it's the Cincinnati Reds that make the postseason and not, not the Cardinals. Mm. And you have direct ability to control that. Mm. You have the direct ability to control that. Well, Let's check out the Brewers schedule. Let's see how many Reds are just so as you know, the Reds the Reds are only about a couple games. They're only three games back in the wild card. That's true. They're only three games back. But with the way the Cardinals have been playing and the fact the Reds have still been 500, I'm not sure. If the Cardinals keep rolling, I don't know if the Reds are going to catch them for that wild card. You know something? You know how I presented a uh, crazy scenario for Oakland? You have one for the – you have one here for the – For the, for Reds. the Cardinals. The Cardinals, okay. Actually, they got three – left with Milwaukee, right? Yep. Then Milwaukee has to play the Mets for three. Then they go to St. Louis for three. And then they have to go to L.A. for their last three games. That's not a very easy. Wow. This is actually not a very easy schedule for the Brewers now that I look at it. So it's harder. Let's just let's just let's just magically assume somehow that St. Louis wins every game head to head with the Brewers and understand the Dodgers are still going to be, are still playing for that West. So they're not going to be just going to roll over for them and give them an easy series win. They're going to have something to play for. Oh, that's right. So let's say St. Louis beats the pants off of the Brewers. 
I'll give the Brewers a three to the Mets. Let's they say they sweep their, out the Mets. So, you know, the Brewers have already clinched the playoff spot, so they're in the playoffs. Oh, they're playoff. in the postseason. They'll be a wild yeah. card, but they have not locked up this division yet, technically. Oh, they haven't. So, they're at least the run the Cardinals are on. Their lead is 10 and a half in the Central. Well, they still have seven games left with them. True. And then three with L.A., that may, if they lose all those and the Cardinals keep winning, um, the Brewers magic that kind number, of makes it. It's three. The Brewers magic number is three. Exactly. It's three. three wins. Any combination of wins and Cardinals losses will give the Brewers the National League Central. Yeah. So, like I said, crazy scenario, but St. Louis somehow is still involved. But mm-hmm. that's how that that that's how comfortable Milwaukee is for now. But no, they're comfortable. But they're in. But. And that comfortable is where they need to be. Don't want them in a situation where they have to feel uncomfortable. You want to beat the Cardinals now and not later. Yeah, definitely. So let's see if the Brewers can get can keep that momentum going. Let's see if they can even up the series with the Cardinals tonight. That's a big one. Let's go to number three in our top ten. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. Austin uh. Meadows, seventh in the American League now in RBIs with 100 and one runs batted in. So Austin Meadows eclipsed triple digits in RBIs. The Rays have done this all year, finding ways to win games. They have scored the most runs in the ninth inning of any team in the majors. You believe that? You believe, you believe the Rays have scored more ninth inning runs, ninth inning, than any team in the majors. That is crazy. They have the most come from behind wins in the majors. Yep. And this is all with a staff that doesn't go deep in games. This is without Tyler Glasnow right now. They've been without him for about three months. That's correct. They rely on that bullpen. They've relied on guys like a Rose Arena on Meadows. Even when Wander Franco came up and he was starting to hit, they've relied heavily on that. Everybody in this lineup, up and down, has gotten a big hit for this team at a pivotal point in the year. Brendan Lowe with 34 home runs in the year, leading the team. Brett Austin Phillips. Meadow. This kid, Brent, Brett Phillips, out of nowhere, who emerges a un, unlikely hero in the playoffs last year, has carried it over into this year. The way the Rays win and the way their lineup and the way their team is structured, you never want to play the Rays in a close game. And because, by the way, yeah. they don't have a traditional closing role on this team either. No, they don't. Diego Castillo is the one leading the team in saves. He was until he got dealt to the Mariners. Yep. So now it's more like the Rays again. They kind of just mishmash it together. They also got back Anderson from their bullpen. They got Nick Anderson back a few couple about a week back. So now he's back to help strengthen that bullpen as well. And again, they just have so many interchangeable parts that you can go to to close a game. But once again, I'm going to throw this in, throw this at you here. Please. Just like the White Sox and the Brewers. It almost doesn't matter what they do for the rest of the year. And for the Rays, I'd put them in the same boat as the Astros and the Yankees if they make the post, if the Yankees yeah, even manage to make the, the postseason. That's a big ass. Yeah. As to where it almost doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. We've seen what they could do in the regular season. It's when you get to the postseason. 
the rays of the same disease the Yankees do, as every other team in the ALE seems to have when they go to the postseason as of late. Losing when you're supposed to be the team that wins. Yeah, because here's the problem with Tampa. This is their small problem. Offense. They have a great pitching staff. No doubt about it. But if the Rays are going to win games, they have to win by low-scoring games. In other words, holding your opponent to maybe two runs. Then you have a chance if you're the Rays. But if you fall behind 6 nothing early, the Rays don't have a lineup that can score like that in a blink. They don't have that. You need to score runs in the playoffs. And do you know what? I- I've got one other weakness, and it might be a little more glaring Please. than the offense. They don't have a starter that goes any sort of deep into games, correct? Five innings. About five innings is about the length you get with McClanahan, with any, pretty much with any of their pitchers. Except if Glasnow is here, then maybe I would say seven innings, eight innings you can get out of him. But it seems like every other race starter goes five, maybe six innings tops, and then it's all bullpen. Well, since you really don't have anybody that's going to give you length into games, that bullpen is really going to start to get taxed. Yeah. And when the intensity really piles up in the playoffs, you know, I don't know exactly how much you're going to be able to trust everybody. Like the Rays rely upon five or six pitchers to get through a game per game. Correct. Yeah. In the playoffs, So that's five or six people that have to go out and do a perfect job. Versus another team who has to only send out two or three. And in the playoffs, this is where things are so different. You can't hang around and wait for maybe if two guys are struggling, uh, they'll figure it out. No, those guys are not pitching well. You're done going to them. You have to go to the next person and hope they can do it. So this is where the playoffs really tests a team. Because everybody pitching and hitting is on a short leash. And this is where that analytics book, you know, it's thrown out. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The analytics books tells people, oh, you got to pitch this guy at this time. And you have six pitchers to get through a game and all this other stuff. Right. I think the analytics book forgot to predict that that's six people that have to do exactly what the numbers say versus only two or only three for another team. Like, let's say. I'm going to use the Yankees as an example because, you know, it's a pipe dream for them to make the postseason, but they actually still can. If Garrett Cole starts a game, then you go to um, Green or Loisica, and then you go to Chapman. That's three guys that have to do a job versus Tampa where you got to rely on six to get you through nine innings. That's just the mathematics don't work. You're depending on a lot more people and using a lot more people on a more frequent basis in a short series. So while, yes, all these analytics books and all these numbers tell you to do all these things, all of that doesn't matter. And old school baseball returns in the postseason. Exactly. And that's why teams build themselves for the postseason and not just the 162-game grind. Thank you. And that's Tampa's problem. Well, we'll see if that lingers on when they get into the playoffs. Let's go to number two on our top ten. The Los Angeles Dodgers are number two on the top ten. Gavin Lux, since coming back, is hitting 500 over his last seven games. Max Scherzer leading the National League with a 2.08 ERA and a 0.81 whip. Scherzer has been every bit of the addition the Dodgers were hoping he would be. 
replacing Trevor Bauer. And the Dodgers are still in that fight for their life to take that National League West. They're only one game out. It's incredible how the Dodgers won the World Series last year. Maybe might be even better this year than they were a year ago. I don't think so. You think they're better now than last year than they are this year? A little bit. I think they've been I obviously last year they won a division. They did. But it was only sixty games. Well, let's see. We've got three with the Rockies. You've got three with the Diamondbacks all on the road. Then you come home to the Padres for three games. And where do you finish your season? Like we said before with the Brewers. But it'll be in L.A. It will be yep. It'll be in L.A. But for the most part, this is a relatively very, very winnable schedule. If you're the Dodgers. The Rockies are going nowhere. The Diamondbacks stink. You blow those teams away if you're the Dodgers. Any day, well, you blow those teams away. San Francisco's blowing away their teams, too. I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know, still the Dodgers are hanging right in there with them. So, and we haven't even looked, and we'll take a look when we get to the Giants, who they're oh, yeah, we will. That's going to be very interesting for me to find that out, too. But, oh, I'm pulling that up right yeah, now. The Dodgers, as of right now, the Dodgers have some good momentum riding for them in addition. They, they also just got back Clayton Kershaw. So now Kershaw's back in the mix. So now here's their – so now look at their pitching staff now. Look at what you have in front of you now. Scherzer, Kershaw, Bueller, Urias. Look how dangerous that, might that be the lo- is. That might be the level up that was needed. But let's get on to the number one team. It's San Francisco. And There's here's no their remaining schedule. Mm. They got three at San Diego, three at Colorado, three at home against the Diamondbacks, and then three at home against the Padres. Relatively similar opponents to what the Dodgers have, basically. The only toughy one is going to be the Padres. That's the only kind of toughy. The Padres are still fighting to get themselves into the postseason. They are. And don't think that the Padres are not sitting there thinking to themselves, if we could beat San Francisco and get ourselves into the postseason, we could get into San Francisco's head before the end of the season and knock them out. The great advantage of the Giants have, they finished the rest of the six games they have left at home. That plays yes. to their advantage. And they also don't encounter a first-place team. Oh, no. They, like the Dodgers they, have to. The way the Giants are put together, and we just talked about the Rays. The Giants are kind of a more improved version of the Rays. I think they're a slightly better version of the of the, being the National League Rays. Because, you have yeah, starters that could go into yeah, the sixth or seventh. They have the starters game. that go deep. That's a huge difference. They have starters that can go deep, and they have a deep bullpen to go on top of that if the starters don't do their job. They have more depth than I think the Rays do. That's the scariest thing. You thought the Rays were the more dangerous team, but the Giants have more depth than Tampa. Yep. You I think I think San Francisco has a nice bit of uh, what Steve Summers from WFAM would call stardust. Hmm. I think this is their year. I think uh, I, before I was... Uh, I was really saying I think the Dodgers are better. I think the Dodgers, I don't think the Giants are going to do well in the playoffs this year. You know, a lot of those concerns that I've had stay, but I also didn't think that the Giants were going to 
win this race with the Dodgers. And nobody honestly, it looks like they're going to. Nobody thought the Giants were even going to be here. That's the whole truth of it all. Everybody thought the Giants were going to be sort of like where Colorado place. is. Yeah, third or fourth place. That's where everybody thought the Giants were. Everybody thought Giants place. were going to be around where Colorado was. Everybody thought San Diego was going to be where the Giants were. And the best the anybody had the Giants right. finishing was where San Diego is right now, 20 games out. You know, By the way, that's how bad San Diego had fallen. Remember when they were right on pace with these guys? Yeah, the first chunk of the year, the Dodgers and Padres were right there. Do- Padres were winning those series in L.A. early on, and you started to feel like, oh, yeah, Padres are going to run away with this thing. This National League West is going to go through San Diego. Boy, how You know what? Time the ball, regular right? season championship, in my mind, I guess uh, – it does go to the San Francisco Giants. They've been the number one team in this top 10, I think, from the third or fourth week of this season. Yep. And they have not relinquished the spot ever. They haven't relinquished it since Tampa because gave it up really not way before the All-Star break. They never hit a lull where they really played bad baseball. That's the, that's the craziest thing. The they Giants might be have the been only above 500 team. every month. There has not been one month they didn't play under 500. They might be the only team to finish with 100 wins this year. I think they are going to be the only team to get 100 wins. I think they're going to be the only team to get 100. Well, and the Dodgers. Well, Dodgers Tampa yeah. might. Tampa could. I doubt it, though. Well, we'll see. The, Tampa's got a tougher schedule, I think, than the Giants and Dodgers. Much tougher. Well, the Dodgers do have to play three against the Brewers. It's true. Who could be free falling by the time they get there. So the Brewers are going to be playing for something. Yeah, they might be. If, if St. Louis keeps winning, could see, like we how, laid out the scenario, how it could how possibly happen. You talked about how important this was that the Giants have to win the National League West. Yep. If they enter as a wild card. You think it's where you think it's it's, it's a big uh, disadvantage for them. I think so, and especially because if the Giants end up entering as a wild card, it's going to be due to San Diego winning their games against the Giants. So that would conceivably propel San Diego into the wild card spot. So you could have a situation where, yeah, you won 100 games, but you just lost your last Four against the team that you're about to play. That's why San Francisco needs to win this division. Because I think the Dodgers can suffer the same fate as San Francisco. Have uh, San Diego beat them to get into the postseason, but still win that wildcard game because of the postseason experience. I'm not sure if the Giants are built for that kind of an emotional blow. Losing the division and then having to play against the team that A, cost you that division, and then B, is now head-to-head with you, despite you finishing twenty anywhere from 15 to 20 games ahead of them. You're now the same, and they're the ones that put you there. I don't think the Giants can handle that mentally yet. Well, we will see what happens. And that's where you learn if Gabe Kapler is really manager yeah. of the year or not. Oh, 100%. <clears throat> And with that, 
That's going to wrap up our final MLB top 10 of 2021. I want to thank Tony Manville for putting these top 10s together as he has all year. And next week, we enter the final week of the major league season, the pennant chase, the push for October. And you know what? I want to thank Chris Delarge. Next week, we're going to finish off the MLB regular season with a buffet. But you'll have to wait till next week to find out. This has been Downtown Sports. I want to thank our producer, Girl Friday. Out sick a little bit. That's why the Twitter's been down. Get better. We hope you feel better soon. She'll be right back up and arguing with you guys on Twitter very, very shortly. Want to thank Krista Large again. Want to thank Tony Manville again. You can hear us on 14 different platforms. That's Anchor, Breakers, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Podbay, Listen Notes, Podcast Addict, and Verbal. I also want to thank Wayne Randazzo for joining us for our Mets recap of the season and their plans for the future. As always, we are downtown sports. We are where sports come home. And I want to thank Catalyst Wrestling. Um, We hope that you went to see Steal That Show on the 17th and Erie. If you missed it, you might be able to see it on Fight TV. You'll get to watch the downtown sports-sponsored five series of matches you're going to have a lot of fun watching that. So go check out Catalyst. But for now, I am the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente, along with my co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone. This is Downtown Sports and all saying goodbye. We're out. Thanks for listening.